Welcome to the Readings Podcast. Uh, my name's Nina and I am the Marketing Manager at Readings and I'm here today with Britt Bennett, who is the debut author of The Mothers, which is a coming-of-age story of three young people, Nadia, Aubrey and Luke, growing up in a small town in Southern California. The Mothers is a book about community, love, friendship and living up to expectations in contemporary black America. It was one of Reading's top 10 best fiction books of last year and it was a personal favourite of mine from recent years. Welcome, Britt. Thanks for having me. So I thought that maybe we could begin with you just reading a really short section from the book um, so that listeners can get a taste of um, your writing and the style of the the novel. So if you're okay to read a little bit, that would be great. Sure. All good secrets have a taste before you tell them. And if we'd taken a moment to swish this one around our mouths, we might have noticed the sourness of an unripe secret, plucked too soon, stolen and passed around before its season. But we didn't. We shared this sour secret, a secret that began the spring Nadia Turner got knocked up by the pastor's son and went to the abortion clinic downtown to take care of it. She was 17 then, She lived with her father, a Marine, and without her mother, who had killed herself six months earlier. Since then, the girl had earned a wild reputation. She was young and scared and trying to hide her scared and her prettiness. And she was pretty, beautiful even, with amber skin, silky long hair, and eyes swirled brown and gray and gold. Like most girls, she'd already learned that pretty exposes you and pretty hides you, And like most girls, she hadn't yet learned how to navigate the difference. So we heard all about her sojourns across the border to dance clubs in Tijuana, the water bottle she carried around Oceanside High filled with vodka, the Saturdays she spent on base playing pool with Marines, nights that ended with her heels pressed against some man's foggy window. Just tales, maybe, except for one we now know is true. She spent her senior year of high school rolling around in bed with Luke Shepard, and come springtime, his baby was growing inside her. Thank you. That was great. Thanks. Um, so I read in a, I think it's an online profile of you that you started writing this novel when you were seventeen. Is yes. that right? Yes, that's right. So yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the process and how long it took you, and the the journey to getting published? Right. Yeah. It took me about seven or eight years to finish. Um, I think I got the first iterations of the of the book when I was about seventeen, and I worked on it through college and later into grad school. Um, and it's a book that changed a lot. Um, it's it. I think originally focused a lot uh, just on the teen characters at the beginning of the book and, and centered mostly on their lives. But as time went by, I became more interested in what they would be like as they got older and also more interested in how this story affects not just these teenagers, but also the entire community. Right. And um, what was the sort of... So you spent seven or eight years with these characters, so... Once you got to the publication process, was it difficult to then have an editor working with you on them? And <laughs> change, like, how did you find the actual publishing process? I mean, I I think the strangest thing is just hearing people discuss the characters and have opinions on them, and sometimes argue about them or debate them. Um, because for so long, these were just people that I knew and and characters that lived with me. So to to reach a point where people I didn't know had strong opinions about the characters, I think that was probably the strangest part of it, more so than actually editing it or even writing it. And do you, of the three, so there's three main characters, (laughs) Nadia, Aubrey and Luke, did you have a favourite or a favourite to write? Which character sort of came to you the easiest? 
I think Aubrey probably. Uh, yeah, I think Aubrey <laughs> probably came to me the easiest. Um, although she changed a lot over time. I think Nadia is just very difficult because she's sort of this, she has kind of a lot of walls up. So it was hard. I, I know in um, earlier drafts, I had writing professors who were just like, she needs to care about things. She needs to feel things. <laughs> and of course she does. But, you know, you know, the pe- types of people who are very sort of protect themselves. It's kind of hard to get at that emotion in ways that sometimes aren't sentimental. So that that was difficult for her. And I think I think Luke um presented some interesting challenges. I just think he he changed a lot as a character too. Um, I think he became a lot more complex as I started writing him. Originally, he's kind of just this terrible guy who they just have to sort of overcome him as an obstacle. <laughs> um, and while I don't think he turned out to be an amazing person, I think he has some more dimensions now than originally. And the book opens um, with Nadia, and it's not really a spoiler to say this, with Nadia having an abortion. Were you Was that always the way it was going to begin? Is that always the beginning of the story? I think so. And I, I remember also when I was workshopping it in grad school, I had some people who were suggesting, like, maybe it should start a lot earlier than that. But I, I just felt like that felt too familiar, the story where, oh, this girl discovers she's pregnant and what's she going to do? And she's kind of debating it. And to me, all of that buildup felt really boring. I, I knew this was the decision she would make. So I was just like, OK, I'm going to tell you on page two that this is what this character does. And really what was interesting to me was the aftermath of that decision, what her like life looks like after. And it's also really interesting that... Um, Luke, who's the father of the baby, and how that decision sort of stays with him, which is something you don't often see in fiction, is the male character sort of years later still holding on to that and struggling with that decision. Yeah, I've read a lot of books about um, men and abortion, which, like, as a young woman, that's not a perspective I spend a lot of time thinking about yeah, right. or even truly want to think spend a lot of time thinking about. But I do think the thing that I think one thing that I read that has, I think, illuminated the the political debate maybe a little bit um, was I remember reading, you know, just the ideas about the fact that abortion is something that happens outside of a man's body um, while it's something that happens inside a woman's body. And that's a very obvious observation. But the way that that decision is different if it's something happening inside your body or outside of your body. And when I think about the sort of really, you know, most of the really sort of virulent um, anti-abortion protesters that um, I think about in America, they're overwhelmingly men. And of course, there are a lot of other, you know, political aspects about, you know, uh, women's uh, uh, bodily autonomy and all these other ways that you can look at it. Thinking when I have to put myself in a position of imagining this as something happening outside of my body, it does look a little bit different. Um, so, so to me, it was, I had to spend a lot of time in that, that headspace, which was not a great place or a fun place for me to really be, but I wanted to understand it, even if I, I found it a, a, um, a problematic, um, perspective or, or a perspective that made me uncomfortable. And sort of tying into that motherhood and Um, having mothers or not having mothers is a big part of the book. Obviously, it's called The Mothers. Um, And so both Nadia and Aubrey are without mothers for different reasons. And that sort of is a, how did did that shape the characters and their friendship? I think that was also something that 
um, originally did not seem to be important to me when I first started writing it. And then as I began to realize more and more what the book was about, I realized, oh, this is actually what draws these two girls together as they they both share this this um, detail of losing their mothers in very different ways. But this is the common thread of their friendship. And, you know, I think when you're writing any type of relationship, I always think, you know, what is it that these characters want or need from each other? And as I began to realize, again, the thematics of the book, that was the sort of glaringly obvious thing of, you know, there there's a commonality in the fact that they've both suffered these losses that are also both sort of shameful losses in different ways. And they're both losses that neither of them feel comfortable completely talking about. And that secrecy is part of what binds them together. I really loved their friendship, especially when they were teenagers and the scenes where Nadia is spending a lot of time with Aubrey at her house and how she really needs her. Um, And so I was very emotionally involved in their friendship. (laughs) And then later in the novel, without spoiling anything, um, Nadia does something that betrays Aubrey. Was that a difficult scene, a difficult decision (laughs) to make? Yeah, it takes a turn for the worst. And was was that difficult to write? Uh, I think yes. I, I'm i trying to remember if that was always supposed to happen. Yeah, I guess there was always, it was a different type of betrayal originally. But yeah, I always knew that she would betray Aubrey in, in a way. And and I think, yeah, it became, it became more and more difficult as their, um, I spent more time with their relationship. And, and that was like one of the big things we worked on with editing was, was, um, was making that relationship very evocative and make it feel real. So as I began to think more about their closeness, that that was difficult. But I think, you know, I, I think friend breakups are often more traumatic than romantic breakups. <laughs> so I was able to, you know, sort of think about, I ha- fortunately have not had a friend breakup that dramatic in my life, but, but just thinking about those, those types of losses of, of these other friendships that are, these other forms of relationship that are intimate, but aren't romantic, but are still so important in our lives. And speaking of romantic, so it's, it's- the the story does have a love triangle in it and um i am a sucker for love triangles me too (laughs) me too so um i was just was that always part of the vision to do the love triangle no it was there was actually it was sort of a love rectangle originally because there was another character who got cut but rectangles are that's a less interesting Mm. shape of sort of romance (laughs) because i think you know i think about that too I, i know a lot of people kind of roll their eyes at love triangles it's like oh it's so cheap it's so easy and it is very easy but there's something so intriguing about it because, um, you know, one of these people are going to lose, like, if not all of them, which often happens, but at least one person is going to lose in this situation. And, um, you know, I I think that's a very, it's, you know, a sort of tale as old as time, this idea of that that love triangle. But I also think there's weirdness of where sometimes, like, that love triangle is, it's a proxy for something else. And I think, um, you know, the, there's really the center of the book is is a relationship between these two girls and even though there is a love triangle that's not really the emotional heart of the book it's more about that friendship and was there any um love triangle or not like books or media like what inspired you is there (laughs) when looking at other tv film media i know for me that this sort of made me think a little bit of friday night lights love Um, that show yeah great so Uh, it's sort of in the way that it captured a community and the teenagers and the relationships yeah Um, that was definitely something i thought 
the experience of reading the book was right. very much like what felt the same to the experience of watching Friday Night Lights. Well, I and I and I love that show. Um, I think the thing that I've re- weirdly started to realize was um, is Gone with the Wind, which oh, wow. you know it's it's such a I don't, different story. Um, but the sense of there's a love triangle in the se- at the center of it, mm-hmm. um, where you have two women that are kind of reluctantly friends mm-hmm. and the guy in the middle. But towards the end of the book, you're, you're like, it's not about this guy at all. It's like the love story was between these two women. Um, and that, I mean, that was, this was a book that I read when I was a kid. And, and I remember like, find like, in, liking it in spite of myself, because, you know, it's a book about, uh, you know, slavery. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the sort of story of these people and, and also this main character who's so deeply unlikable um, was something that I remember really liking. Like, oh, this woman can be really difficult and terrible and I can root for her, you know? So, but I but I think about that type of story where, there, again, there's a love story, but, but really the love story is between the two sides of the triangle, not yeah. the two people who want the same guy, supposedly. And I guess a lot of people say Nadia is an unlike or a difficult character. Yeah, she's to like, a difficult. Which, right, she's I, a difficult. I mean, character. I liked her from the, the whole way through, even though <laughs> I, there were times where I was like, "Oh, just don't do that." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's but, fun. I have people tweet me sometimes their reactions when they're reading the book, and you know, have very strong feelings about Nadia and Luke. Usually, <laughs> yeah. people generally like Aubrey. I think she's an easy character to like. But and um, on the topic of TV and film, so. Film rights for this have been picked up and Kerry Washington is producing and you are writing the screenplay. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about that process, <laughs> how how it feels first to have the book being made into a film? Yeah, I mean, it's really insane. Um, I I know like when we were first approached about it um, and Kerry Washington's name was mentioned, I just, you know, I I tried to be very sort of professional and detach myself from the fact that I love Kerry Washington as an actor. Um, but to think of, you know, of just sort of the long process of writing this book to go from there to the fact that, like, I've now met Kerry Washington and, and she's amazing. Wow. Yep. Um, but I've, like, hung out with her on the set of Scandal. <laughs> and, you know, it's... Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was, you know, she. I, t- I mentioned that my mom liked Scandal and she was like, oh, why don't you guys come to the set? Oh, so my God. I got to bring my mom so to the set amazing. of Scandal. Yeah, I mean, she's she's so great. Um, and also just, you know, she told me she read the book in a day um, and has just been really engaged with it. So it's it's fun. I mean, we, we're just at the very beginning of it. I haven't, um, I'm supposed to be working on the outline this week. Um, instead, I am enjoying <laughs> Australia. I'm sorry, everybody. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm at the sort of beginning uh, stages of the process. So it's very different than writing a novel so far, but it's kind of fun to um, learn a new form and also to yeah. be able to dive back into the story a little bit and tinker around. And uh, do you think, do you envision that it will stay pretty close to the story in the book or? So far it has, but I also have not finished writing yeah. it or received notes yeah, yeah. from the studio and I'm sure they'll have plenty of things they want to change. Um, but so far, I mean, it's it's kind of, it feels like a, a, a weird uh, sort of chance to, you know, you know, I think about, um, what is it? I, for, I forgot the artist, but who was like, who would be like in the museum, like tinkering with the painting when it was on the wall. It, it feels like that weird experience to do that again, where it's done, but I get to sort of change Redo the things it. that yeah, I don't yeah. like. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, I think a lot of people 
tell you, you know, to be wary about about adaptation because they changed the book a lot. But I'm actually kind of looking forward to the book changing. I, I think there's something kind of fun about liberating the book from its form yep. and thinking about, OK, this is what it looked like as a book. How does it look like on the screen? Yep. Um Dreamcast. Is there anyone? If you if you could cast anyone in any of the roles, I've only been casting Luke um, <laughs> just yeah. because he's the really cute guy in yeah. the um, in the in the movie. So I think I, I don't I don't know who will be in this, um, but I think. Uh, my dream Luke is probably either Michael B. Jordan. I was going to say Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yes. I told a group of um, students this at Stanford when I went to talk to the students, and they screamed when I said this as if he was actually already in the movie. I was like, guys, this is no, just no, my projection. Dream. Yeah, yeah, dreams. But yeah, I love him. Um, Trevante Rhodes, um, who's in Moonlight, I think. Um, is a really great actor, mm-hmm. very handsome. Um, so, so I don't know. That's that's just my projection. These are just like my crushes. So <laughs> it's not really, you know, that's not really helpful it, it in that could way. Happen though, you know, it could you got to shoot your shot. So that that's my attempt. Um, so, it, w- to go on to a totally different direction, um, in 2014, you wrote an essay called "I Don't Know What to Do with Good White People." that went viral and I was just wondering if you wanted to talk if you could talk a little bit about that essay and the process of writing it yeah. and what how it felt when it sort of really started to go yeah. crazy online I mean I it felt crazy um you know I, I wrote this essay I wrote it in a couple hours and we edited it over a period of maybe two days um and my friend um and editor of the piece Gia Tolentino I remember she told me Hey, I, I just just so you know, I think this is going to be big. And I'd never written anything online before, so I had no sense of what that meant. And I said, okay. Um, and I just remember the next morning waking up and checking my phone, and my phone just being blue with Twitter <laughs> notifications. <laughs> and Gia was like, yeah, you should probably stop reading the comments now if you've gone into it. And I remember within an hour, it had like a hundred thousand hits. So I had never experienced anything like that before. Um, but it, it's, I mean, I think to me, it's a testament of writing on the internet that yep. I'm here in Australia talking to you about this essay. I talk to people about it in Italy, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk to people about it in New Zealand. So the idea that this essay has really traveled around the world um, so quickly, um, I think, is, is what part of what's cool about writing for the internet. Um, but it was definitely, it was a very eye-opening experience. Um it was it was really um, exciting. It also it made me sort of have some thicker skin because, of course, the racist trolls came out of the yep. woodwork. Yep. Um, but most people were really supportive, and even if they disagreed with me, were willing to engage with the ideas in the essay. And I think that's a lot more than you often get from readers online. And how do you see the essay sort of do you see it as almost a bit of a companion to the mothers? I saw bits sort of when Nadia goes to college and she's reflecting on sort of the there were some echoes there yeah um with the essay around how she felt yeah like the the i think the terminology was there was a sly kind of racism right, or right. A way right she was always having to question people's intentions right which is yeah i think so i mean i was working on both of those at the same time so i think there is a way in which they they sort of dovetail in that way um i think you know i think the novel is less uh overtly political than yep. that essay um which i think has surprised some readers who only knew me from the essay um, and the other pieces I've written online that have been more overtly political. Um, but I just think the experience of being black in a white space is is probably the thing that um, carries over between both of those pieces. Um, and finally, we're just going to 
wrap up now with the question that we always ask everyone. What is the best book that you've read lately? Oh, that's a good question. I think probably my favorite book of this year so far has been Exit West, um, which I... I just thought it was, I mean, as timely in the sense of, you know, thinking about refugees um, and that experience. But I think it, it did the thing that the Underground Railroad um, did also where, um, and or like a book like Beloved, where you take something mm. that's very, um, that's something sort of on its literal face that's very difficult and you add sort of this element of fantasy um, that doesn't make it less difficult, but it allows you to look at it in a different way. Um, and I think all of those books do that with these, with these hard topics. But, um, you know, I think about that line from Exit West where, you know, he writes, we're all migrants in time Mm -hmm. in the sense that even if you feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a migrant, I've stayed in this town for whatever. Yeah. But the world has changed around you. So we're all constantly moving and, and constantly, you know, that's, that's the story of human history. And, and now, you know, what we have these ideas of building walls and banning mm. people from coming to country to country. People are trying to restrict human movement when human movement is the story of humanity. Yeah. So I just thought it, it was such a wonderful um, book. I, I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was timely um, and powerful. And I, I just love the sort of kind of fairy tale feeling of reading about something that, you know, is uh, happening now and is a really important issue now. One more question. Sure. Just because you're a debut author who's seen such great success, <laughs> do you have any advice or what's one piece of advice that you would um, give to emerging writers? I think you just have to, um, I think all you have to do is, is is focus on the page. And I said that as someone who has been very fortunate to have, uh, you know, the book had a lot of hype before it came out. And I think that's the thing that, but then, you know, it, it had so much hype and attention and then, you know, going out of that moment to the next year and you see the next books that are coming up that have a lot of hype and attention. And I think to me, it, it's something I'm, I'm fortunate that uh, I've always just sort of been very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on the second book right now, too, which is also a really humbling experience to sit down and feel like a complete idiot every day. Um, but I just think you can't get caught up in sort of the outside stuff because, it feels great that people like your book and it feels great when people are talking about you, but that's going not going to last. You know, it's, you know, with hype, it's like you can't create your own hype and you yeah. also can't make it go away and you also can't make it last. It happens completely outside of you. So I think if you're someone who's fortunate to have that type of attention, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> um, but if you're someone who doesn't have that type of attention, which is most people, it has nothing to do with you. It's mm-hmm. all just sort of the machine around you. So I think all you can really control is what you do every day when you sit down and face that blank page. And, and I think that's what you have to focus on, not all the outside noise. Thank you so much. Thanks. And thank you for coming in and talking to us. Uh, so that is Britt Bennett. And I highly recommend everyone out there goes and reads her wonderful novel, The Mothers. Thank you. And also looks up her essay, I Don't Know What to Do with Good White People, which is um, online on the published by Jezebel. Yes. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.